Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Going to go right back out to the Raider Nation guest line. Welcome in my good friend uh, and colleague from Los Angeles back in the day. Just a couple of years ago, um, none other than Sam Farmer, one of the best to do it in the business. Uh, the NFL columnist for the Los Angeles Times. Uh, Sam, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Vinny. How you doing, bud? Doing good, doing good. Uh, Got to get to first and foremost uh, the breaking news that happened uh, just a little while ago. Uh, Calvin Ridley, the uh, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, gets a suspension. Um, you know, for uh, for betting, not only gambling on football, but gambling on his own team. Um, boy, I guess we had to brace for the fact that it might happen, um, but a surprise that it did. What do you think of the situation and the NFL's response? Yeah, I mean, uh, NFL had to take swift action, and it appears they did uh, in terms of when they learned it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you figure as the, as the league inches closer and closer uh, and, and really is embraced um uh, wagering and uh, sports betting and um, enticements out there and guys will make uh, these missteps and uh, I'm just glad that they sniffed this one out and um, it was a stiff penalty and setting example uh, for for uh, what can happen so uh, but it is it is surprising and uh, you know sort of jarring uh, because really the the number one thing the league has, uh, its biggest asset is its credibility and the fact that, um, you know, that uh, people believe that it's a level playing field. Uh, now, you know, people will say, well, officiating or whatever, but overall people think that their team has a chance to win. And if there's any, any uh, notion out there that it's not a level playing field or that uh, – now, this doesn't necessarily imply that, but um, it really goes to the heart of what has made the NFL so successful, and yeah. the league has to pounce on that. Yeah, and I and I wanted to clear something up as well, because I've seen this on Twitter. I think you know, Mike Florio over at uh, Pro Football Talk, um, you know, had, had pointed out or, you know, sent a tweet out about the hypocrisy, about how... Uh, the league is making all this money off of uh, gambling that the players can't even benefit. You know, something along those lines or partake in it. And, you know, to clear that up, Sam, um, all the new revenue generated by gambling, uh, whatever, you know, the advertising and whatever relationship is, is going on and all that type of stuff, all of that still gets thrown into the revenue p- pot that cooks up the pie that the players and, mm-hmm. and owners, you know, cut up at the uh, at the end of each year to determine – uh, salaries for the following season or the salary cap for the following season. So I think it's disingenuine to say that the players aren't benefiting from these new relationships that are, be create, that are being created uh, as well. Um, so that needs... Yeah, you're exactly right. It's a great point. This is all about revenue sharing. It's not like uh, gambling is just lining the pockets of the owners. No, not um, at all. Yeah. And, and so... No. Uh, but and real quick... The, the fact is, the bottom line is, though, you just can't bet on, on football. You can't bet on the sport that you play. And it goes for, this is the other thing, uh, real quick, you know, uh, sorry to get on my little soapbox here, 
But it, the same rules applies to the front office, trainers, coaches, none of whom see an extra penny from you know the, the revenue that's generated. That's just between the owners and the uh, and, and the players. Uh, or directly, I should say, um, you know, staff members, the PR director, whatever the if you work in football in NFL, you can't bet on the NFL. It's as clear as day, and there, there, we should not be making any excuses or trying to couch it in any other way that you just can't do that, and it's common sense. Yeah, I mean, what is the alternative? Are you suggesting that people can bet on their own uh, own team and their own performances? I mean, that's crazy, and, and that wouldn't be allowed in any sport. So um, I, I agree with you completely. It's, uh, um, you know, I don't think that's, that's uh, illogical or unreasonable at all to say you can't bet on, on uh, football if you're a football player or a coach or a, a trainer or anything. Um, and, 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 and that doesn't preclude the NFL from having a relationship with um, with casinos or with gambling or anything. Uh, it's just you've got to lay down some some ground rules. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, back to the field, uh, we think, uh, anyway. Uh, decision time is approaching for Aaron Rodgers, and, um, you know, we keep seeing all these reports sort of trickle out uh, more, you know, over the weekend in terms of he – wants to stay in Green Bay, but he's not so sure uh, that he wants to. He's kind of torn between making a decision. Um, where do you think all of this is headed with Aaron Rodgers? And do you think that domino has to kind of fall before, you know, uh, or, or help in order to help other teams kind of map out the direction that they're going to take in the offseason? Yeah, I definitely think that's a domino, kind of like Tom Brady was a couple of years ago. Um, that will get everything started. And, and obviously uh, uh, there's a lot of talk about a lot of quarterbacks right now, but, but Aaron Rodgers primarily. And he was so cryptic um, in his uh, last Instagram post or the, uh, the one recently uh, where, where he made it sound like uh, he was talking about Green Bay in the past tense and players in the past tense. And, uh, and yet he did that sort of thing this time last year too so um you know i've always looked to denver as the place uh where i could see him landing uh with george payton there and george payton brings in nathaniel hackett and and uh i talked to terrell davis recently and terrell's like it's done i mean he's going to denver wow he was he was very um affirmative about that and yet you know i was surprised that he went back to green bay and and uh this season and and it seemed less acrimonious as the as the year went on he seemed more and more comfortable um but my gut still says that he ultimately winds up in denver um and yet i don't think i'd be terribly surprised by anything now because because of this last year that he did wind up going back after it seemed like there were such an impasse. Um, so I could see him going back to green Bay again. I will push my chips. And now that we're in the gambling theme over to Denver <laughs> right now. All right, let's, let's stick on that. What is the, uh, I know that, you know, obviously uh, Hackett was, uh, you know, his offensive coordinator in green Bay. Um, 
you know, uh, they've got good leadership. That roster is pretty good. But, man, you're coming into a a division where there's Justin Herbert and, you know, there's Patrick Mahomes and and Derek Carr has been doing a good job, you know, uh, with with the Raiders. Uh, Why this division, you would think? Um, like I'm, if I'm him, I'm looking at Tampa Bay. They have, they're set, ready to go, playing in a mm, okay uh, division. They've, they've obviously got a Super Bowl caliber roster. They pushed the Rams to the limit in the in the playoffs this year. Uh, they were, you know, um, they they were a great team. Almost, want, you know, took the top seed. Why not a team like that? Rather, or you know, if you're not going to stay in Green Bay, doesn't that look like a a, a, a better you know uh, place to land? Well, that certainly uh, makes a lot of sense. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would shy away from a challenge, but uh, there's no bigger challenge than coming to the AFC West uh, in the players you named. Um, And he would be leaving the NFC. Now, I'm going to argue against, just like you did, against Denver, but you think about the luxury he's had in the NFC North and, and the sort of instability at quarterback at all those teams. Um, that he's playing, and then you look at in the in the NFC South, and and really, even Matt Ryan. You know, people have questions about Matt Ryan. And certainly, they don't have an answer at quarterback in Carolina. They don't have an answer at quarterback in New Orleans. So the and and you know, you've got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and and uh, some other talent there, and playing for Bruce Arians, who's obviously been very successful um, with quarterbacks uh, throughout his career. And yet I do go back to, um, I think Denver's going to make a real push for him. And I think that, you know, you look back um, now, the landscape was very different when Peyton came in and got the Broncos twice to the Super Bowl and won one of them. Um, but, and, and, but I think he has a lot more in his tank Sorry, my my phone is clicking here. Than Peyton did at that point in his career, and I just feel like um, he. I, I would just say he would not shy from a challenge uh, of uh, of playing in the AFC West. We're talking to um, Sam Farmer, the great columnist for uh, the Los Angeles Times, a, a good friend um, and uh, somebody that I turn to uh, quite often, um, you know, just to chit-chat. We, and... we turn to each other, Vinny. That's true. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, Sam. Fair enough. Uh, Von Miller uh, put out a tweet today, and this is, you know, staying along those lines, you know, where he kind of made it sound like he's got a yearning to go back uh, to Denver. Uh, very, um, I don't think he was hiding uh, the fact. Now, he might be doing that to kind of get the uh, Rams to uh, to ante up a little bit more on a uh, on trying to re-sign him, which that remains definitely a possibility. But are, is it, is it, am I connecting the dots here a little bit too much? If he wants to go back, has he heard maybe that Aaron Rodgers is, is, headed, to, is headed to Denver? Well, uh, and going back to what uh, Terrell Davis said, I mean, he really see, he was uh, really affirmative that that Aaron Rodgers would wind up there. I think obviously Von Miller has deep affection for Denver and vice versa. Uh, he was a rental for the Rams and uh, an effective rental for them. Uh, they paid they gave up a lot to get him just for the end of the season, uh, and they won the Super Bowl. So. Um, I could definitely see him going back. I don't know what his long-term 
future is with the Rams. I think they looked at him as, as look, this is a guy who can bolster our different, uh, you know, our, our pass rush right now. But I don't think they have like long range plans for keeping Von Miller. So um, he was throwing it out there, chumming the waters, talking about what what number he'd wear with the Broncos. But I could see him having one last run, sort of victory lap in Denver. Um, uh, you know, and and the Rams let him go. So uh, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Staying in the AFC West, uh, there's a new power regime here in Las Vegas uh, with Josh McDaniels uh, and Dave Ziegler, the new general manager. Uh, it, f- it already feels different, um, Sam, uh, than, mm-hmm. than who they replaced in John Gruden and Mike Mack. Not saying, not taking anything away from, from John or, or Mike, but it de- definitely feels different. And what's mm-hmm. the level of fascination outside of Las Vegas and outside of the Raiders' world for how this might work um, with, with Josh McDaniels getting his second chance to be a head coach, Dave Ziegler, uh, his longtime friend, uh, somebody that he's worked with for a long time as well in New England. Uh, is there a level of fascination on how this turn out? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's always a level of fascination with the Raiders. Um, this feels like the Raiders are uh, taking yet another step towards becoming one of 32 and doing things like the league does them. Uh, as opposed to sort of being outside the box, uh, and from everything I gather, there's a there's and and I like John and and um, Mike Mayock and those guys, but it feels like a very professional move to get these guys and very professionally run uh, and almost uh, orthodox uh, uh, move to bring these guys in and the, and the respect for Josh is off the charts. Uh, among people in the league. I mean, and the belief that this guy, you know, it didn't, he wasn't ready in Denver and he was very young and he made, you know, missteps, but this is a guy who can win and do sort of, sort of buck the trend of guys who have left uh Belichick system and not done well on their own. This is a guy who, who uh, can be an excellent coach an excellent head coach and super smart guy. And, offensive mind and and uh yeah i think i think there's definitely an interest in las vegas and the interest in the raiders it just didn't go away all right sam uh we're about a week away from free agency um is this going to be a year an explosive volatile uh free agency period do you think and and any um you know uh big moves that you're anticipating or thinking I know obviously we have to wait on uh, Aaron Rodgers because I think that's going to set the course uh league wide uh but but anything that you're anticipating that you're looking forward to uh, as free agency uh hits the ground running next week Yeah well I mean I would think with with the sort of we know this isn't going to be a uh hugely impactful year vis-a-vis quarterbacks in the draft it may be down the line but Right now, it's not like anybody's going to blow you away. And last year, we're coming off a year when quarterbacks were taking one, two, three. You had Belichick taking a quarterback in the first round. So I, I'm really interested in the quarterback carousel uh, that we see, and that includes Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Derek Carr and Russell Wilson. See these guys move around or not, or, or it's just conjecture on our part that something's going to happen. And it feels like, you know, a lot of times – we anticipate all these moves and uh, they don't want wind up materializing. So um, I am keeping my eye on veterans quarterbacks moving around the league. And 
Um, you know, we saw a huge one this last year, hugely impactful with this rare quarterback for quarterback swap that the Rams and, and Lions did. And uh, that panned out really well for, for the Rams. And so, uh, you know, who's going to be the team this year? In fact, if you look the last two years, it was the big move that sealed the Super Bowl ultimately. So whether it was Brady or Matthew Stafford. So is that going to happen again this year? It's such an excellent point to make. And the last one I'm going to ask you, do you think that that quarterback carousel includes Deshaun Watson? I think that it's got to. I don't think he's going to be in suspended animation forever. Um, you know, whether or not he's charged. I mean, look back to Ben Roethlisberger. He what, was suspended for six games, maybe reduced to four, and didn't face charges. Um, wasn't formally charged. So I think the league is going to have to, at some point, define what is going to have to happen for Deshaun Watson to get back in the league, if at all. So um, I, I think that something's got to happen there. And um, whether it's up in uh, Carolina or Miami or, you know, any, any number of places, um, certainly a great player, but uh, a really dark cloud hanging over him. Yeah, no question about it. We didn't even get to Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'm sure is probably on the move too. So uh, I'm with you, Sam. Uh, I think that quarterback carousel is gonna uh, is gonna be wild uh, starting next week, uh, and yeah. not quite sure where it's all gonna land. But but you're right. You know, the team that made the the big quarterback movie the last two years ended up winning the Super Bowl. I think that's changed a lot of people's minds and maybe even opened up the eyes of some quarterbacks out there, which is why I think Aaron Rodgers might be kind of peeking around uh, right now. Sam uh, Farmer, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. You know I truly appreciate it. Uh, Miss you, my friend. Good seeing you in Los Angeles during Super Bowl week. That was great. I appreciate it. Likewise, Vinny. I can't wait to see you in uh, Palm Palm Beach. Beach, It's not sooner. Exactly. There you go. Uh, Thank you very much, Sam. Take care. That was Sam Farmer from the Los Angeles Times, uh, a Hall of Fame writer and a Hall of Fame friend. He really is great at what he does, but he's an even better uh, person. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Monsignor. Got home from Indianapolis yesterday and uh, turned on HBO and watched Winning Times. Uh, we had Jeff Perlman, who wrote the book Showtime, which the HBO uh, miniseries or series, I guess, uh, is, is, is based on. And uh, gosh, man, Hollywood boy, I'll tell you what. Um, they Come take on, some liberties, they, man. They take some liberties, but they have to to give the fans an entertaining story. Yeah, but there's there's entertaining and there's just flat out just way over exaggeration. Like the, how they did Jerry West was just that is like I I see people on Twitter going, "Wow, I didn't realize Jerry West was a bleep 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 bleep." And I'm like, I worked with Jerry West. Um, was he emotional? Yes, he definitely was. Was he passionate? Yes. Was he complicated? Absolutely. But he wasn't that. That's not Jerry West, ladies and gentlemen, that's being portrayed on the HBO special Winning Time. And I'm, I get it in Hollywood. I'll, I'll tell a story um, um, uh, right here on the air about Hollywood because I know firsthand because I dealt with it. And um, but but and 
It's just, and I know Jeff Perlman, the author, we had him on a couple weeks ago uh, to talk about it. And uh, here, here's the deal. When you, when you sign off on it, you sign off on it. They get the rights to your book, and then they're going to basically do what they want with it. Um, and so they, they, they took some characterizations of people and over-exaggerated it to the point where I'm watching it going, this is, yeah, yeah. Here's my problem with it, Devon. You see people now on Twitter, you know, uh, reacting to it as if that's really Jerry West. And I think that that's there's there's some wrong to that. I know you want to give an entertaining, um, you know, uh, a story. But as I was watching it, I was like, to me, it's not entertaining because I know it's not the truth. It's like well, way over exaggerated. Ne- everyone never worked with Jerry West. You're one of the, let's say, the 1% of people. I know, but don't you less than is, 1%. Don't you have some responsibility to to be accurate about it? Like this if they if, are being accurate about it. They're no, they're not. They're they're telling the dramatization of the truth. I know, but, but that's that's the problem the I truth. have. They did what? say he was the coach going into that season, he was the, the general manager. No, the season before, he was the yeah, head he coach. was the head coach. Yeah. yeah. So in like, has Jerry? Because you could always be like, because they had it was like because um Dr. Jerry Buss is basically like talking, breaking the fourth wall, talking to you, us, the audience, right? And that's um John C. Riley's character as yeah. Dr. Jerry Buss. Yeah, yeah. And he's like Jerry Buss, never been happy. And they even go into like a little animation. They, they even made him the logo, and then the Jerry West logo becomes alive, and it's just like you think that would make me happy. But I mean, and here's I'm the thing: sure people Jerry, are. Jerry West has been happy before. I've seen people on. He has. I've. I've of course, I've seen you him know. Happy. So obviously, that's just a dramatization. It is. Jerry but West I, I see people happy. on Twitter saying that they should take the logo away from Jerry West based on what they've seen. On that's what I'm talking about. Like you could go too far sometimes. You, you, I think you could have captured Jerry West's... Um, uh, complexities and emotional swings a little bit better, and but I'm gonna I'll peel I'll peel um, the curtain back a little bit. All right, uh, so I covered Gilbert Arenas in high school. All right, I saw Gilbert Arenas from the age 15 on, and uh, developed a really close relationship with his father, Gil Senior, Big Gil. Everybody loves Big Gil. All right, so if you don't know Gilbert Arenas' story. Uh, he was born in Florida, I think Tampa Bay. His dad was a really good athlete, uh, baseball player, basketball player. Um, and so uh, what ends up happening is they have Gil, uh, Big Gil, and, uh, and, and his, I don't know if they ever got married, but anyway, the mother of Gil. The mother of Gil ended up leaving the scene, all right? She just bolted. I'm not going to get into why and all that kind of stuff, um, but she did. So it was left to Gil Sr. to raise Gilbert. All right, he moves him out to California. Uh, Gilbert Sr. is, he worked for UPS. He was a single dad, all right, raising what turned out to be just this tremendous basketball player. And it was kind of the reverse story. We always hear about the single mom and bless their hearts. They're the backbone and, you know, uh, God bless them for what they've done. Because some of us men uh, have 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 not done our job, basically. But this was the reverse of that story. And it was a great story about how a single dad kind of trying to chase his own dreams. He wanted to be an actor uh, in, in Hollywood. That's why he came out. And then has this son, you know, his son turns out to be this just great basketball player. So we decided, you know, there's a script here. There's a movie here about the single dad sacrificing everything, um, you know, and has this great basketball player son who makes it to the NBA. And there was a lot of drama when he got to the NBA. His mom shows up at a game just unannounced. His Gilbert hadn't seen his mom. I don't know if he had ever seen his mom uh, up until that point. She just shows up at an arena, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's got all these elements for a story, right? So me, Gil, we decide 
because I had written a script and um, it got optioned and all this stuff. It was great. Uh, it was a lot of fun, fun journey in my in my life. Uh, but through that, I met met a lot of people in Hollywood. I was working as a sports writer, but I also dabbling in script writing. So um, me and Gilbert and uh, a partner of ours, Josh uh, Macchiello, go sit down with some directors and and producers to pitch the story of Gilbert Arenas. And uh, there was interest. There was definitely interest. Here's what soured Gil Senior ultimately, and all of us really. We meet with this very well known producer. And we're having lunch, and he's loving it. It's a great story. It's a great this. It's a great that. We get it. Um, boy, this is really good. I think this will be a lot. It'll resonate with a lot of people. At the end of the conversation, after or after the meeting, uh, after Gilbert has laid it out there on this is how it happened. This is where it started. This is where it became. This is what I went through. Blah blah blah. All the whole story, which to me was compelling enough. And the producer says, "Mr. Arenas." Where's all the drugs? Where's all the sex? Where's all the... I need spice. I need juice. And Gilbert's like, what are you talking about? This is Gilbert Sr. He's like, we need, we need, we need the, we need the, uh, we need the, you know, uh, we got to make this. And Gilbert's like, but there wasn't any of that. What are you talking about? And he's like, and the producer's like, well, you know, and when Gilbert's like, goodbye. So we just walked out. Yeah, but I, but all the, that, that is, because sometimes you can have the person that takes it over the top. But if no one's seen the winning time, there is a part where Norm Nixon and Magic Johnson play one on one, and he and he beats Magic, and that's just like the hey kid, you're not as good as you right. think you are. I'm an NBA player, and you're not. But you gotta have those moments. <laughs> if, if if the show is just hey Magic Johnson, that never had a doubt in the world. He just knew he was going to be the greatest player of all time, which some argue that he is. Or so you no just drama, make things no up. Do you just make things up? Yes, you need stakes. You need drop. I'm sure Kareem never told the kid on the airplane set of the funny, (laughs) one of the funniest movies of all time, Airplane. Airplane. I'm sure he didn't like tell F off kid when the kid asked for an autograph after they shot the scene. But that, but that leads into the myth of of Kareem being an a hole. Right. He was. He was. He was. He was definitely hot and cold. I know that. You know, and and obviously they took characterizations of of uh of of these of these people and just over exaggerated them but my thing is my fear is just watch you know monitoring it because i was watching twitter um as it was uh, as the first episode was unfolding and there's people out there who literally think that that's what jerry west really was like and i'm like that's not what he was really like and again people saying well maybe he shouldn't be the uh if he was that bad of a person which he wasn't Maybe he shouldn't be, you know, the, uh, uh, the the NBA logo anymore. That's the thing. That's the fear that I have uh, is that you're going to just tarnish people just for the sake of an entertaining quote-unquote story. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Back out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend and colleague from uh, my colleague from the Las Vegas Review Journal, um, Sam Gordon, uh, the great writer and columnist now uh, for the Review Jordan, uh, Jordan, uh, Journal. Jeez, talking about Jordan. Uh, revert, re- review Journal. <laughs> I'll get it out, Sam. How are you doing, my friend? Good, Vinny. How you doing? Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. Uh, the scouting combine is in the books. Uh, Sam, uh, I was talking about uh, talking to this uh, about you. Um, I, I was talking with you about this. Jeez, man, I'll get it. I'll, I'll get it together. 
Um, but it felt good. like felt like things were normal, back to normal a little bit in Indianapolis uh, last week, and it felt really good uh, to be part of that. Remember, the last real official official NFL function before the pandemic hit was the scouting um, combine back in 2020, and then you know the the floor fell in on all of us, and the roof caved in on all of us, and the pandemic happened, and we went through some real unusual times. But seeing things in Indianapolis where people were able to just kind of talk and communicate like old times, uh, kind of a cool moment to be part of. Uh, are we moving in the right direction, or do you, do, you, do you think we've turned the corner in that regard? Uh, yeah, Vinny. I mean, it certainly would seem so, right? I mean, just kind of being able to have a, a normal event with the Combine, I mean, even following along on Twitter and, and catching what I could on TV, uh, it, it felt like the kind of the NFL calendar was reset and, and back to normal, and we didn't have to tap in with certain pro days, with, with, with specialized, you know, protocols and all those things. We understood that those were the requisite measures necessary at that time, given what we were going through as a country and as a world. But the fact that you're able to jumpstart the calendar, you're able to have all the execs, all the, you know, the power brokers in the NFL in one location, one concentrated location to watch the next generation of stars, um, to me, certainly signals a sign, a cause for optimism, a good cause. Uh, for optimism, and lo and behold, um, we're, we're everything's about to jump off next week. We're free agency, uh, and then of course the draft and, and different individualized workouts over the next few months. So, uh, yeah, it definitely felt good to, to see that things are back on track, and now we can kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the off season in a way that we hadn't necessarily been able to um, last year uh, or the year before, given what we were what we were dealing with as as a collective. My flight out of Indianapolis uh, went through uh, Dallas um, yesterday, and I had a whole bunch of uh, defensive linemen on my flight um, as as they were leaving the combine, finishing up. They had finished up on on Saturday, um, so they're they're headed to wherever they were headed. But I got to tell you, these guys were almost uh, sleepwalking by the time uh, they got to the terminal and and were waiting for the flight. And it just dawned on me how much these guys go through during the scouting combine, uh, including the on-field work, which is where I want to keep it, Sam. There was some unbelievable performances out on that field at Lucas Oil Stadium uh, last week that included great defensive line numbers in the 40. You go back to the wide receivers, what they were doing. Um, It's just getting so insane how great athletically uh, these 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 youngsters are that are coming into the NFL, really in every sport, but specifically the NFL. What are we to make of all this? Can it get? I mean, I, I can't see that it could get any faster or any stronger or any more explosive. But it just seems like every single year there's new numbers that are being produced that are just making us go, "Wow, where does this all end?" That's you know that's the the million dollar question is is how how far can we push the limits of human capability? Um, I think we're going to continue to see. I mean, it, it may not be as rapid as it as it's been, you know, the last twenty or thirty years or so, Vinny. But we're going to continue to see. I think the growth and humans pushing things even further and further. I think when you take a look at prospects now, you know, whatever position they're playing, they've been getting. There, there's an understanding on, on how to specialize and how to de- develop and, and different all these th- things and resources that top players have, starting when they're when they're young, that accelerates the development. Now, you know, quarterback prospects. Uh, that are coming up, they're, they're, they're have thousands and thousands and thousands of reps by the time they, they work out for their pro day. I, I remember um, doing, a, I can't remember who the story was that I was, I think maybe Colton Miller 
Um, he was going to specialized offensive line camps as you know when when he was young. You, you just you see more of the special specialization, and there's a better understanding on how to develop uh, how players can develop, and, and they're getting reps at these drills. They're getting reps um, from the time they're young. They understand kind of the course of, of player development. So I think as long as that continues to happen with nutrition getting better and recovery and, and everything that we're, we're, we've discovered about how to maximize human performance, um, we're going to continue to see things getting you know bigger, stronger, faster the way they have been the last couple of years I, what, or the last you know, couple of decades. What impresses me the most is, is how we're seeing the, the athleticism and just kind of the new heights we're seeing with, with guys in the trenches. I mean, offensive linemen are explosive now, and they're really, really moving, and they're not just, you know, not just the, they're not just statues. And I'm not saying that they ever were, but relatively speaking, compared to the, 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 the people in the trenches that we see today, the players on both sides of the line, um, the, the, the game is so much faster, bigger, stronger everywhere around the field. And it makes for, uh, for really exciting play. And I've always marveled, Vinny, when you, when you see elite athletes up close in person, it just kind of re, you know, reaffirms how amazing somebody is that's in the top 1% of the 1% of the 1% of their, their craft. It's, it, I think sometimes it's so hard to wrap your mind around, but it, it reframes you know, kind of how privileged we are as journalists to document the best of the best of the best doing what they do. And, and I think you know, getting to see the scouting combine, an event that I've liked to follow, you know, that I've, I've wanted to follow and have been interested in following since I was 14, 15 years old, to, to see what it's become and how it's evolved and how great and amazing the next generation of the NFL athletes are, um, it's a sight to behold, and it, it kind of really puts things into perspective. So, so it's awesome. I'm, 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 I'm all for it, and I think we're going to continue to, to, see, uh, to see growth, um, not just like you said, not just in football, but in sports all around. The question, of course, is who, gets, who will be able to translate uh, the explosiveness, the speed, um, the athletic ability that we saw over the week Onto the actual football field because there's two different things now. And um, what's what's great about the end of uh, the scouting combine, especially for those guys, is they they've they've gone through it. They did the job uh, uh, interview. They did the job test uh, in terms of doing all of those things, and they trained long and hard for it. But now, finally, thankfully, it kind of gets back to football and training for football. Um, when you look at what you saw over the week in Indianapolis, who jumped out at you and who are you really curious to see it translate to or if it translates to on the field? Yeah, well, I think one guy that, you know, that jumped out to a lot of us, I think we're following was the Ohio State receiver, Chris Olave. Of course, extremely productive throughout his tenure at Ohio State, but seeing him run, you know, sub 4-4, and at one point it looked like sub 4-3, with, with all the other things he's able to do, you know, the fluidity, the versatility the, that he has as a route runner. Um, now you know he has the prerequisite kind of speed to be able to be really complete as a receiver. Um, how is that going to translate? I think another guy we talked about on our podcast at the offensive line position, um, the big fella out of, out of northern Iowa, Trevor Penning, right? Not, of course, playing at the FCS level, so he's not in the Big Ten or the SEC, and we don't have the, the same kind of way to evaluate uh, the same level of competition. But athletically, seeing some of the videos and some of the numbers and the, the basketball stuff and just his frame and size, um, what, what is he going to be capable of at the next level? How is he going to translate um, at the next level? And then sticking with offensive line, we got to go back, to, you know, again, another guy we talked about on the podcast, to my Minnesota roots, the, the big offensive tackle, Daniel uh, Falele, you know, 6'9", 380. Like, really? That's the, the, those are the kind of offensive linemen? That's how, how big and how physical and how athletic the positions become? Um, you know, not necessarily the top, you know, in the top three or four, you know, however you want to grade them. But there's just so much intrigue with so many different prospects. And, it's you know, the Raiders are going to have their options. There's a number of ways that they can go between the draft, 
uh, in between free agency. And I think that's what makes this offseason so compelling for the new regime is we're going to really see starting next week how they want to build this thing out and where they want to where they want to divvy resources and free agency compared to where they want to divvy them um, in the draft. But but just generally speaking, um, you know, a lot a lot of really impressive players. I love to see how um, at the next level, not necessarily for the Raiders, but how Liberty quarterback Malik Willis looks. I mean, I think he was awesome. Um, and just kind of following along with your guys' coverage and watching and following along, I mean, nailed pretty much every aspect of this. Um, it's said to be a, a, a weak draft for quarterbacks. I mean, like, are we sure? Like, how do we know until guys are actually at the next level? Maybe the prospects or some of the, the things that you evaluate at this stage aren't as good, but I have a hard time believing that we're not going to find at least one or two really impactful quarterbacks um, in this given draft class. So, uh, there's there's a lot of intrigue. It's just it's good to be able to to see and to be able to have these discussions um, that are based around the combine because of uh, of how uh, of just who's able to gather there and how we're able to see everything at once and make our comparisons and draw con- or use the information as part of our conclusions. So um, a number of guys stepped out, but those are some that definitely come to mind. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the mistake that sometimes gets made is you know you see all these guys out there and you project and you know if you're a fan base or if you're a Raider fan if you're a Patriots fan oh we could find all of our needs in the draft um hold your horses uh it doesn't usually work that way um and so you have to combine the draft for long range but also free agency which is right upon us in in about a week or so um and and, and really mine for talent in 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 that uh, uh world as well um and that is the first uh, domino to fall uh, for everybody, the Raiders included, before you get to the draft and start really looking at, okay, what does the roster look like now? Um, how can we use the draft to, uh, to, to supplement it? But first is free agency. And Sam, when you look at the Raiders, when you look at free agency, when you look at some of their needs, how active do you think that the Raiders should be in, in, um, in uh, starting next week? And what needs do you think that they need to fill primarily through that free agency yeah i think um i think where free agency comes in is you know you kind of address what position groups could benefit from having a real vet you know a real vet high proven vet where you know what you're going to get um and i think of course that starts on, on the offensive line not that they wouldn't entertain an offensive line prospect but i think given how young that unit is and it's you know regardless of what route they want to go or who plays where, you would think that it's still going to be a relatively young unit. And you have a young, you know, a young offensive lineman, specifically in Alex Leatherwood, where you invested a first-round pick in him and you want to put him in optimal positions to accentuate and accelerate his development. I think he could really benefit uh, from playing next to a veteran offensive lineman, you know, whether, that, whether he moves back to tackle and that's a right guard or whether he moves, moves or stays at guard and that's a right tackle. So that, I, that, that is a route where I think they could use some veteran experience and then even in the secondary too. Uh, again, I, I definitely expect you know some kind of changes, but there's still some some you know number of 25 and under players in that unit, and we saw just what kind of difference Casey Hayward was able to make. You know, bringing him in on a one-year deal um, last year, how it kind of changed the whole dynamic and what you were able to do along with Gus Bradley's scheme. So I, I think that those areas um, they could definitely benefit from veterans, but but anywhere else. Uh, you know, I, I think the youth of the draft, you know, an infusion of youth would would be – you can't go wrong there. The draft, uh, you, you, I think the hope from the Raiders' perspective, but any team really, you would draft – you address some of your needs um, in free agency. And then you because you never know how the draft is going to play out, if there's a star that you have, you know, that's available or somebody you believe can be a star 
or a high-end player at maybe a redundant position, you could still afford to take a flyer and then adjust accordingly. So I think those are the two position groups where they should target uh, where they should target needs. And then in the draft, you know, you need something on the periphery, a, a, a number one receiver, you know, falls to you. Yeah, why not? Or there's a, a standout linebacker, even though that's an area where I thought the Raiders were solid last year, a standout linebacker in the draft. Okay, or there's a great pass rusher that falls. All right, you know, then you can then you can do some things, and that that's I think how you can kind of round your roster out. But yeah, the, the offensive line. Um, and then the secondary definitely benefit from some veteran presences. Last question for Sam Gordon. Um, big move, medium move, small moves. What do you think the Raiders do first uh, in free agency or, you know, uh, early on in free agency? Is there a big move coming, do you think? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I think kind of the, 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 you know, the sexy move, right, would be to bring in a, a big-time wide receiver. Um, Devontae Adams has been the name that's been floated. We'll see how realistic that is. I, I have my doubts. Uh, but you know, guys, we talked about before: Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin. Are you, are you willing to kick the tires on on those guys? Juju Smith-Schuster, I know, was a name connected to the Raiders as a former 1,400-yard receiver. Not exactly the best quarterback play that he was getting um, in Pittsburgh the last couple of years. Maybe a change of scenery would behoove him. I, I, in that sense, um, I know we just kind of talked about you know how to allocate resources, whether it's needs and or wants. That that was just my opinion. The Raiders may have a completely different one and want to address receiver and free agency or elsewhere. That, that to me, would be kind of the sexy, splashy, big move. I'm not sure um, they'll necessarily move that way. I think, it, again, it's kind of adding some veterans on the periphery and then, and then you know, figuring out what you need or what you want to do um, going, into, going into the draft. So I guess my, my answer would be a medium, medium-sized move, bring, maybe bringing in a veteran, you know, a veteran offensive lineman with a track record for some success in a veteran DB, uh, and then a couple smaller moves, reinforcing depth, maybe maybe seeing what you can do at D-tackle, a uh, position that the Raiders were strong at last year. So they have a number of ways they can play it, and I think we're going to have a much better idea of the kind of program Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels uh, want to build out in, you know, possibly by this time next week, certainly in two or three weeks, and then, and then we go from there into the draft. So it's a fun time, Vinny. Uh, it's really a fun time. The NFL has done such a great job of, spacing out their events during the offseason and making sure that there's a number of talking points and a number of things for, for us and for fans to be interested in. And uh, to your point uh, at the top, uh, I'm definitely glad we're getting back to normal. The combine is the start of a very fun period, and I'm looking forward to, to following along with you um, and everybody else. No question about it. And, Sam, uh, thanks for your help and insight. And uh, we'll definitely be circling back to you uh, next week without question when all the fireworks start. Appreciate it, brother. Anytime, Vinny. Talk soon. Take it easy. You too. That was Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can read his stuff, our stuff. Go just uh, uh, download the app, Vegas Nation, uh, or go to VegasNation.com. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. So somebody with the Twitter handle Eagles Nation tweeted this question. We're going to end the show with this. Shows you how ridiculous sometimes social media can be. Start one, bench one, cut one. Prime Donovan McNabb. Prime Carson Wentz, prime Nick Foles. I don't under <laughs> if you know anything about football or watch football or know anything about the Philadelphia Eagles, it is an insult to put Donovan McNabb in the same conversation with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. You ops, Donovan McNabb is the best quarterback in this picture that I'm looking at. Should be the starter. I don't care what you do with the other two, but 
I get it. Carson Wentz had a good year, but we're talking about Donovan McNabb, who was a great player in this league for a long time. Got the Eagles to a whole bunch of playoffs, NFC Championships games. Finally, got him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they lost, uh, but to the Super Bowl. But to but Nick Falls, help me out here. What what? I mean, you can't be an Eagles fan if that's a question that you're really asking. Give me the list one more time. Start one, bench one, cut one. Prime Donovan McNabb, prime Carson Wentz, prime Nick Foles. Like, it's an insult to have Donovan even in this conversation right here. He was so good. Well, only one of those guys won the Eagles a Super Bowl. <laughs> the devil's advocate, yes. But is Donovan, like, is this just one game? Is this for a season? Is this for All time. Like, if a franchise? You're gonna, if, yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're the Eagles and you get to pick a, a quarterback to roll with. Are you rolling with Donovan McNabb? Yes, that's the answer. Yes, he's the best quarterback in the franchise's history. Right. Like, who who, who cooks the stuff someone up? Someone cooks it up to get someone like you all hot and bothered. That's just dumb. And they succeeded. That is They're just, being taught. Well, okay, somebody said start wins. Benz falls, cut McNabb. Like, someone did this to get there. Now they're being, they're, they're tweet. This, nothing of a tweet is now being talked about on Raider Nation Radio. It's, it's literally trending. That's how that's how sad we are with with social media sometimes. Like somebody can throw a ridiculous question like that out there, and every any Eagles fan that's been around for a little while, I mean, that's not even a that's not a difficult question, like to answer. I don't even know. I feel bad for Donovan McNabb. He's a great guy, a great quarterback. If you didn't see Donovan McNabb play, I'm, I guess you know you, you, ignorance is not your fault in that regard. You just didn't see him play. But just let me tell you. That that's not even a question that anyone would that knows football that saw it that has seen it would spend one like a half of a second on. It's Donovan McNabb. You stick with Donovan McNabb. But uh, hey, that's where we are. Um, I guess you know we 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 throw out. It's a Monday, I guess, uh, uh, Devon. So I guess I'll give people a little bit of cut cut them some slack. It's a slow Monday, slow news day. You might as well come up with something ridiculous like that, and hopefully you got your your, your clicks uh, out of it. But uh, I don't know, I don't know who's the best quarterback in Raider history. Ooh. Kenny Stabler. Yeah, you got to go with the snake. Kenny Stabler, uh, Stabler, and then um, you know for the short period of time that Jim, I mean Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. Yeah, got to go. He's got to be two, of course. He's got to be two. Uh, Rich Gannon, you know, uh, got him to a Super Bowl. He's probably three. Derek Carr's. Uh, up there, it hasn't, you know, uh, translated to wins, unfortunately, for Derek. But uh, I think people that, got all the records. I think people that know football understand that there's some, uh, there's been some extenuating circumstances. But you never know how, where all of this is going to play out, where it's all going to play out for Derek Carr too. Uh, next week is going to be really, really interesting for the entire NFL, for the Raiders. Uh, get a glimpse of what direction this organization is going in from a personnel side and how. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels uh, and Champ Kelly go about their work. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. I want to say thanks uh, to Sam Gordon. Thanks to Sam Farmer. Thanks to uh, uh, Damon Cotton for holding down the fort. Um, Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to the callers. We always appreciate it. We'll check back with you tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador.